Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm your host with Phil Pepe. How's it going, Angel? It is all good, bro. Uh, yes, it's, it's Friday. It's crazy how Friday comes around every freaking week, um, like <laughs> clockwork, so it's wonderful. Um, all right, everyone, welcome. This is episode 46 of the Indie Comic Review. Um, we got a couple of comics that we're going to be talking about for the week of uh, February 2nd. Uh, but before we get there, we've got just uh, uh, one or two news items um, in regards. Oh, episode 46, bro. Four weeks away Four weeks left. from the most bl- <laughs> mind-blowing reveal. I mean, you thought, you know, freaking Black Suit Spider-Man was fucking awesome and shit. <laughs> this is, this is going to be beyond that. Um, so, yeah. So, so listen out for that, folks. Um, all right. So, yeah, Phil, why don't you lead us off with a little bit of news and then we'll get right into the uh, reviews. Sure. You know, not necessarily news, but more a, a bit of a milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are now in 2022. Uh, and if you picked up any image books this week, uh, you notice it is official. It is the 30th anniversary year of Image Comics. Woo-hoo! Founded in 1992 by a bunch of very talented young comic creators who were were sort of uh, done working for the, the big two. And they set off and created their own company and what started out as basically just you know a superhero sci-fi focused uh you know upstart uh comic company has really turned into one of the biggest names in indie comics right now and one of the great things about image as a company is that they're always uh, uh, exploring other genres, pushing those boundaries. So they've really been a great source for not just superhero sci-fi, you know, type comics uh, and fantasy type comics, but also a lot of really good, solid indie comics as well. Uh, it's a company that over the last 30 years was never been afraid to take risks uh, and it's always paid off for them. Um, they, you know, they're right up there now. I mean, you can, you, you always talk, we always talk about the big two, Marvel and DC, but Image is really right up there. I mean, it's, I would say top three companies right mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. you know, especially for, for sales and buzz and marketability or whatever. It's, it's Image is up there, man. They still have some of their old standbys, Savage Dragon, Spawn, they're still plugging away. Shadowhawk is coming back, but they also really give us a lot of great content uh, that is beyond the norm. Um, and so congratulations, image on 30 years uh i know a couple folks that work there uh that really work very hard to to get these books to the public uh into our our grubby little hands so we can Mm -hmm. digest them with our eyes uh but you know it is a it is a company that really in 30 years has just i think surpassed anybody's expectations because i think there was a lot of speculation back when they started they weren't going to last uh 30, 30 days, if, if not 30 years. So, uh, yeah, congratulations. Let's, you know, keep, let's look out for more great stuff from Image and, you know, give them their support because they're doing some really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And it's, you know, it's funny because I'm holding in my hand that uh, the official Image timeline. <laughs> and there's this great forward from Jim Valentino, which is one of the initial founders of Image. And in here is, he's, it, it's funny because he's like a, He's a no-shit guy, so he's just yeah. going to tell you how it is. Um, so in the forward, it's pretty much written that way. He says, I'm going to give you the timeline from the very beginning, regardless of all the rumors that you heard that are probably from people that weren't even in the room or have <laughs> nothing to do with the original seven. 
Um, he's just going to give you the facts laid down. And I started going through it, and it's just so freaking interesting to see the entire timeline of when books were released, when people were talking to people, when, you know, certain distributors were coming in and stuff like that. So it's a really fascinating story. And it's, you know, images, you know, for me, probably... Uh, it means more to me than the big two. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did read stuff like X-Force I got into because of Rob Liefeld, and that was a big seller. I mean, he's always talking about his 5 million copies. And then you got Jim Lee doing 7 million copies with X-Men. Um, and before that, you had uh, McFarlane on Spider-Man, who had done, I think, 3 million. And these mm-hmm. were like record-breaking numbers. And, and, and at the, this is a time where, you know, the big two should have held on to these guys. But mm-hmm. rather than, you know, you know, shitting on them. And I, and I think that was the culmination of these guys that wanted to be able to create their own properties. But you have somebody above you saying, no, 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 we need to focus on this. And then even when you're working with their toys, they're like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't write that. Because obviously the the corporate, you know, machine has its thing that it needs to do uh, and its own agenda to push. And for creators, that makes it really difficult to play within someone else's box because you have all these rules that you just, you can't break. So I think that that tight grip that they had forced the hand of these phenomenal creators. I mean, they were breaking freaking records mm-hmm. uh, of these creators. And it wasn't like it was overnight. This is something that happens gradually. And it wasn't like all seven of them got together and said, hey, let's all walk out together. This was this is all gradual stuff where people were kind of like adding on. To, it, it fucking feels like a superhero story of <laughs> you collecting a team of people and then creating this awesome team and then creating this, this machine of yourself. And I yeah. think, you know, and... You know, even though I did read X Force One and 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 I did get that uh, Jim Lee X Men and stuff like that, I wasn't really into comics then, and then I, I kind of left it um, for a bit as well. And then in '92, with my own effing money, and I know I've said this a thousand <laughs> times, with a dollar ninety-five in my motherfucking pocket and whatever tax was included, uh, Spawn Number One fucking was yep. the first comic book that I ever bought with my own money, and I was hugged. I think I got almost every single image new title that came out nice. um and like most kids who have parents they end up throwing shit out when you either move around and stuff like that so all of it was gone Ugh. and but you know what over the years i've gotten everything back and you know i've gotten spawn back i've gotten freaking you know uh freaking young blood back cyber force back uh savage drag uh, dude shadowhawk so everything for the creators i mean one of my favorite comics pit from dale keon she's i got almost everything back and then going through this timeline i'm like borderline tears because i'm like holy shit there's there's just so much that's happened in those past Mm -hmm. 30 years and even you know with the guys that exist now all partners aren't all there um anymore um most of them have their own houses or imprints within the image umbrella um and then they brought in new people uh you know you got robert kirkman has been brought into the fold and and you, you mentioned something really interesting which is you know most people know the big two and i think you know 30 years in image is still alive so we could probably start shifting and saying, okay, the big three, yeah, because yeah. Image is such a prominent name in, in, in the industry. And if you ask anybody who's, you know, what's Image Comics, most people will know um, something from them. Yeah. Um, and that's, with- that third spot waiver is really, you know, for the last 30 years has wavered between Dark Horse and Image. But Image, just as far as with, um, you know, their original IPs, right? Things like right. The Walking Dead. Right. Um, and again, you know, The Standby, Spawn, Savage Dragons, Shadowhawk, uh, I think has 
has really consistently kind of edged out Dark Horse, especially in recent years, you know, as Dark Horse has lost some of their, you know, licensed uh, mm-hmm, books mm-hmm. like like Aliens and Predator and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, so Dark Horse still plugs away. They still got some great stuff. You know, it's still the home of Hellboy and a lot of other great stuff. Right. I think just as far as output and 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 attention outside even of the comic universe or, you know, comic world, uh, Image really does sit up there as as I think the, the, the third biggest company right now. Yeah, I think the one thing that may just keeping it off of the radar for like the main mainstream is just like the content that they put out. And I'm not talking about comics and stuff like that. I'm talking about TV and movies. Um, they're not connected at all. There's not a universe of image itself. But mm-hmm. there's properties that were under the image umbrella that have come to light. Um, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see, you know, moving forward, if there's any, like, if there, is there any unification or crossover that allows it to, to come onto the screen? Cause I mean, if we look at, you know, the most successful, I would say is Robert Kirkman and he's one of the latest members because mm-hmm. you have the walking dead, which just exploded, you know, on TV and, and most people that watch the series didn't even know that it was a, a graphic novel or comic right. first. Yeah. Um, so to this day, I mean, that, that book will always forever be in print. Because you're gonna have people coming in and saying, "Hey, do you guys have that walking with that thing? I just saw the show." I'm like, "Yep, it's been around mm-hmm. forever, bro. Here you go." And, uh, and one of the smartest things they did with Walking Dead was was be you know finishing the series and then being like, "Let's color this. Let's re-release uh, this and redo it issue again. by <laughs> issue in color." And I thought that was a really good call because they didn't just phone that in. That that's like they're doing some solid work on the re- on the coloring of, of Walking Dead as well. Yeah, so it looks yeah. gorgeous. I guess clashing, and this is me speculating now. I'm I'm not going by Jim Valentino stuff uh, because I think there could have been so much more because there was stuff that was going on in the '90s in regards to like cartoons coming out. I mean, you mm-hmm. had uh, the Spawn movie come out in the '90s. Uh, yeah, you had the Spawn HBO series, which was fucking fantastic. That was a great. Um, series, and then, so I think there's still potential for some of that stuff to come back, um, and and then even do more. I mean, they're 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 catalog is ridiculously huge and what makes them super unique is that they don't own any of that ip it's all creator creator owned owned. um, which is fantastic so it's just an opportunity for you know creators to really hold on to the light that you know if they have something that they really want to get out there to the world that it can happen um and and these guys being able to break away from that corporate structure and say you know what we really want to do this on our own and and to be able Mm -hmm. to do it and survive for 30 years Fuck, man. Kudos to them on that. Yeah, so. and, and a great philosophy for Image, too. It's always been comics first and then, you know, IPs second, right? Yes. It's always been the comics always are at the forefront of images initiatives uh and then anything that might hit and become a film or television property you know that's always seems secondary to to, to what their goal is their goal is to put out great comics and and wonderful content and that they do it yeah so if you guys don't really know anything about image i would definitely look them up and i mean you look at uh so who were the originals you had uh todd mcfarlane rob liefeld mm-hmm. uh jim lee jim valentino eric yep. larson Mark Silvestri, and then the honorary Will's- would be Will Spotashio. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I yeah. think at that time he had either something going on with his family where he had to leave back to, and go back to, uh, uh, what was he? he's Filipino. Uh, yeah. So he had to go back to the Philippines. And then I think he's got some part of something in it, but not a full partner, whatever it is. 
And so the official timeline of image uh, that came out this week that you're yep. talking about, yep. that is a timeline on the company and the actual Correct. real world history of the company. It's not a timeline of the comics. Uh, you know, it's not like. No, it has know, the so comics in there, too. It does. It's cool. both. So it's yeah. A his- it's a history lesson. Fuck. And yes, man. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. That's cool. And most and, you know, image started in 92, but this timeline yeah. starts in 90. So this yes. is how far back. There's a couple years before, you know, all the shit went down before they actually formulated themselves. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 if you can find it, it's definitely worth a pickup and a read, um, especially if you want to know a history on, on, you know, a comic book, you know, publisher from, from the very yeah. beginning. So, yeah, yeah, happy birthday, Image. You guys keep <laughs> rocking and shit like that. Uh, you've denied me a couple of times, but it's okay. I'm going to keep those letters forever. <laughs> um, it's all good okay so yes uh, i think we're ready to move on yes all right yeah, so yeah. we've got three books for you i'm gonna start off because then i'll finish this off with you in the middle uh monkey okay. in the middle <laughs> and i think what i'm gonna start off with is our first book this week is called dark red um it's a one shot from aftershock it's an oversized book but this is part of the dark red world that was already existing in um in, in the Aftershock world. So yes. if you're familiar with the series Dark Red, then this would be right up your alley um, as it's pretty much just a continuation. Uh, I would say, yes, a bit of a continuation of, of where the, the original series left off, which I believe was about 10 issues. Um, it is written by Tim Seeley um, and art by Corn Howell. And then you have colors by Mark Engel, Englert. And then you have letters by Carlos Mangual. Uh, now, Tim Seeley's done a lot of stuff as well. Um, he's done a lot of stuff for the Big Two. Um, he's done stuff for, I think, IDW as well, like the G.I. Joe stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe he's the main writer, uh, if it's not his thing, on uh, independent, the Hack and Slash, and then something else called Revival. So he's been around for a while. Um, some cool stuff um, in there as far as, as what he's done. Now, for me, when I picked up this book, because I knew Dark Red was already a previous series, I picked it up on purpose because I wanted to see if this was a closed story to see if it was easy to follow or if you needed to know any history on, on the previous Dark Red stuff. And the answer to all of that is no, you do not. This is actually, oh, yeah, it's a really cool story. Um, it gives you a little bit of, um, a tiny bit of history, um, not too much, but enough to like, all right, so you, you, you'll know where you are. Um, in this in this in this guy's life, um, and the guy's a, a vampire. His name is uh, Charlie Ipswich, mm-hmm. um, and he's a vampire uh, who works at a gas station in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> I guess just because he wants, he likes the isolation. He doesn't want to be around anybody. Um, and in this particular story, he's coming to find out that a friend of his, who he served in World War II with, is passing. And so mm-hmm. it's pretty much a story of of him going to visit his friend. Um, and then being visited by a nun um, who tells him that his friend's soul is down in hell and they have to go down there and get his soul back um, hmm. so that he can ascend or whatever. Um, but then his whole journey of, of hell is actually a, a reoccurrence of their World War II past. So he's kind of reliving all that stuff. Um, and, and you see all the stuff that he's gone through in World War II while looking for his friend um, with the nun down in hell. 
and, and there's some really clever stuff in there. So you would think that hell is like hot and boiling and stuff like that. Um, but it turns out to be the, the complete opposite, which is quite unique. Uh, the other thing that I found really unique is what they're doing with like the vampire lore. So when we go into hell, we find out that uh, vampires actually have free reign in hell because we find out that vampires are, they have demons that are riding them mm. on earth and stuff like that. So they're, they're, they have a particular um, status uh, in hell. So they're treated differently than, than everyone else in hell is. Um, and so basically what you do is you find out this journey between him and a nun, and then you find out a familiar face from the previous series that's kind of concocted this whole thing that's been going on. Um, and you get to find out the, the deal that uh, the friend's mother made in order for him to, you know, live a little bit longer, whatever it was. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's a well-run story. It's a close story because it finishes with the end at the very end, um, and it's complete. It, it's quite hefty as well. So um, I think there's about good 40-something pages in here. Um, so you get a well-rounded um, story. Tim Sealy has a really great way of just moving the story along. I mean, I picked it up, and I think I was done with it in, like, less than 20 minutes. Um, nice. Not that it wasn't dense. It was just really easy to follow um, in that respect. And then the art is just it's great. It's complimentary to it. Um, the colors just match the tone um, of what they were trying to create. So there's this little bit of horror um, mixed in with sometimes, um, like, uh, I would say like light of hope and stuff like that in it. So yeah, the, the tone of the book is 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 really cool. So um, if you're a fan of the original series, definitely pick this up. Uh, it's it's a really quick read, um, and it's just like sort of like an add on to what you've already you know read. If you haven't um, read Dark Red, I would probably you know still pick this up. And if this suits you, then definitely pick up the uh, the other two because I think it's been done for a while. So you might even be able to get it in trade, um, if not two trades. Uh, for the previous series. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Um, it's good stuff. So Dark Red from Act of Shock. Check it out, especially if you like Kara and vampire stuff. It's pretty cool. Very neat. Yep. And gas stations. And <laughs> gas stations. They have great freaking sushi. <laughs> never All right, never bro. do gas stations. <laughs> All right, what do you got, bro? Uh, so I have a book, surprisingly, from Image Comics, celebrating their 30th anniversary. Um, it is the first issue of a six-issue miniseries called New Masters. Uh, it is The credits are uh, Shobo Coker as writer, uh, Shoff Coker as artist, uh, Julmai Christopher is a color assistant, and book designed by Hai Mardikian. Do you just make it um, up names now? Yeah, I just yeah, there's actually no one did this book. I just <laughs> <laughs> the easiest names were Shobo and Shaf Coker uh, on this one. Uh, and then when we get into the character names, it's a little 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 interesting as well. Um, so the first thing I want to say about this book that they have they talk about a little bit in the back. Um, while this takes place in this is a future story, um, but it is steeped in African history and mythology. Um, so basically they say it's a their sci-fi love letter to the african continent a letter that's taken the better part of a decade for them to plan uh they're going to immerse the reader in a universe that weaves african experience philosophy and culture indelibly into its fabric so really great uh, uh, ambitious uh, attempts for these guys um they, you know i think they they grew up with this culture so it's very important to them um i found the book to be very fascinating 
there is a big, you know, as a first issue, there's a lot of information dump that is put in there um, really towards the back half of this first issue as you really get to, you know, get this world explained to you. Uh, and basically what had happened in the early part of the 21st century, an alien fleet of Jovians burst into the Earth's solar system um, and they... When it landed on Earth, it scattered debris across the surface and leaked exotic fuels into the soil. This cataclysmic event swallowed great cities like New York, London, Paris, and Berlin. However, also fueled the rise of new interplanetary ports such as Lagos, Morocco, Mumbai, and Hong Kong. As memories of the old world faded into myth and legend, the import and influence of the new grew. So that's, again, that's from there right up in the back. Mm. Um, so as far as uh, uh, an opening issue... Um, you get a the, the first half essentially is a really great sequence where you have basically who's going to probably be your your main protagonist protagonist uh, this young girl named Ola is uh, a um, an artificial arm with a whole bunch of you know gadgets and circuitry and you know computer stuff in there and then she has a little uh, robot assistant called Ase uh, who helps her out and she's basically scavenging for this element that is buried in the earth called obsidian. And mm. basically this obsidian is what powers everything. And you will hear almost every page, somebody's talking about obsidian, obsidian. And, and so it's a really solid MacGuffin that everybody's kind of trying to get because you do find out later in that first issue that the world's uh, uh, resources of obsidian is being depleted. Um, so the first sequence is really cool because you have this young character. She's scavenging for this this element. Uh, she encounters a monster and she has to escape from that with the help of her little robot. Uh, it all kind of re very reminiscent to me of some of the early scenes of the uh, the, the first J.J. Abrams Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, I believe, mm -hmm. um, where you meet Rey, right, the girl, and you kind of, and she's a scavenger, and you kind of establish what her existence and her life is like on that planet. Uh, one of the better parts, uh, say what you will about those trilogies, uh, but but the, the, the establishing stuff with Rey on her planet, being a scavenger, to me was one of the better parts of that first movie um and so to see that reflected in here i thought it was a really good introductory to who i think is the main character we're going to follow um then you know once that sequence is over then you start to kind of move through this world and meet other characters so you get introduced to a lot of characters right off the bat and again they do a lot of the explaining as to what is happening in this world uh, a lot of very diverse and interesting characters uh you even have a human character who has a relationship with one of the jovi uh, so that's a very interesting dynamic in there as well. Um, the art is very lush uh, uh, and the colors complement the art very well. Uh, and it really helps move the story along on a really nice clip. Um, art style reminds me a little bit of a Jeff Lemire. Uh, and I'm sticking with that Lemire pronunciation uh, and Dustin Nguyen, uh, their kind of art style with that mm, sort of mm. very breezy, flowy line. Right. Um, so I really dug the art style. I thought it was really cool. My only misgiving is, um, again, this is a six issue miniseries. Um, and the first issue ends 
rather abruptly mm. where you get introduced to you know you kind of get reintroduced to a couple characters you've already met then you get um you get a couple characters that you haven't met that you'll meet down the road but if they're not done in ways of full introductions they're almost done in uh, 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 sort of like in a movie when like um, they'll introduce a character, right? And then there'll be a freeze frame and then it'll have like the name of the character right on the bottom, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like a bunch of panels at the end introducing, you know, or reintroducing what will be the, you know, rounding out this cast. Mm -hmm. it, it, and there's no to be continued. There's no, it just kind of ends like that. So as far as a complete experience for a first issue, I will say that it is it is it, it kind of takes a little bit of a nosedive towards the end because of it, it does end so abruptly. Mm. But you get all the information you need about this world and, you know, who these people are that you're going to be, be, be following on this story. Um, and again, you know, it is a six issue, so it's going to at least have, you know, a nice, you know, it will have a solid ending. Uh, this is something, and again, only because of the way the first issue ended, this is something that feels like it might read better, again, as one the trade, yeah. novel rather than the than chopped up. Uh, but it's an image first issue. Um, it's a great introductory, uh, you know, opening salvo to this world and this story. Um, so even if you just pick this up to check it out and then and then hold off to get the full story or pick it up, you know, monthly as it comes out. Uh, but New Masters from Image Comic by Shobo and Shaf Coker. Uh, definitely recommend it. It's, uh, it's a very, very interesting first issue and uh, they did it well. Cool, cool. All right, so I'm assuming you're going to wait for either trade or just uh, you're moving on. I might wait for trade on this one, although there is, there were enough in there to make me think I might want to at least check out the second, second issue. issue. Yeah, just to kind of see that transition from the end of the first issue to the second issue. See how the second issue ends. If 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 it if it still feels like okay, I, you know, this is going to be better digested in one sitting rather than right. waiting six months for each part. Uh, I'll probably make that decision on the second issue. But I think I'm going to give the second issue a shot. Cool, cool. All right, so new masses from Image Comics, right? Yep. All right, check it out, guys. All right, so before I get into my last comic, just one really thing, because we were talking about the 30th image and we're talking about crossovers and stuff like that. Um, and ironically, <laughs> if you, seriously, if you haven't yet picked up, because the new issue came out this week, if you can get copies of it. Yeah, um, good luck. <laughs> yeah, by Donnie Cates, called Crossover, ironically. Um, it's just a really, this is something that we needed for a long time. But I think, we, we, especially in the image, in the image world, um, but you needed 30 years of uh, of characters to be able to do something like this and i'm hoping i'm hoping there's going to be even more of it so oh, yeah. we've seen we've seen um characters from other books actually cross over into this particular book yep. and at the very end of this particular issue we're not going to spoil anything um it's a really major character that almost everyone will know that's crossed <laughs> over, which is which is awesome, which means if, if they're going there, then they can pretty much go anywhere. I mean, if if I pick up an issue and Pitt is in crossover, that, <laughs> that's just going to blow my mind. Or, yeah. or Cyberforce comes kicking in, and then, yeah. you know, and then you have, you know, freaking the uh, the guy from Kill or Be Killed comes in. Uh, <laughs> to, it, it would just, it, it would be awesome. 
And it's um, not just it's not just image characters that are that are showing up in this. Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw have a great you know relationship mm-hmm. with other creators of other companies. So mm-hmm. we've seen some Dark Horse characters show up in this series. Yes, um, it's a really fascinating series. If you don't know, I mean, basically the comic world has invaded the real world, and uh, all hell breaks loose essentially. Um, and and on top of that, in the current arc, there's a big mystery of someone is killing real life comic creators in the real world mm-hmm. um so which i think is great too because if i were a friend of donny cates i'd be really worried uh, <laughs> you know, yes. yes. uh, but it's crossover is really interesting book by donny cates and jeff shaw and, it's just yeah, clever that, it's clever it's entertaining and the protagonist you know just throws in so many curveballs because yeah. you just think it's going one direction and all of a sudden it just goes in another direction it's just and freaking there's comic book shops within it so there's a whole comic book lore as well in that first arc. Yeah, it's just fascinating. But and I just if thought you I... like yeah, if you like a book that has a, a big last page splash reveal every Ugh. issue, this is the book. Every issue has some major big reveal development character show up in the last issue. So it's a very well paced. Uh, each issue is very well paced in that respect. Yeah. So even though it wasn't a number one, I think it was number eleven or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's still early on in the series where you can pick up the first trade and then hop on. Uh, definitely check it out. Just really clever stuff. It's refreshing, actually, to have yeah. something like that. Um, okay, cool. Last book for me is called Primos, and this is from AWA um, Upshot in print. Um, it is a four-issue miniseries, and it is written by Al Madrigal. Um, and then the uh, artist is uh, Carla Barberi. Um, and then you have letters by Annual Design. Um, and then it goes on from there. So it's all good. So yes. So uh, for those of you that don't know that uh, Al Madrigal is, is an actual uh, TV personality. I think he's a comedian. Yep. Uh, yep. So he's been on some TV stuff. And I think he started off on a daily show with John yep. Stewart. That's, that's where I had seen him. Yeah. Yeah. Got to start off there. And then he's been in some movies. And then from what I understand, from what I read, um, he's actually going to be in Morbius. Um, oh, so cool. he's going to have, yeah, some small part in there. So so you got a, 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 a comedian you know, TV personality um, who has a fascination with comics as well. And we've seen that in the past. And some of them have been really, you know, good because they really love the format. Um, I mean, our most recent one was uh, John Leguizamo, right? Yeah. Um, X. So, uh, and then you have this crossover with uh, Al coming in. Uh, what makes this book quite unique um, is, actually, before I even get to that, I was trying to figure out, like, the Barbaria. I had known that name for some time. And I'm like, I've been reading Spawn for a bit, and he's been doing the covers and some interiors yep. as well. So that's where I know him from. I'm pretty sure he's done other stuff, but the art is so similar to what I've seen before. I was like, why does that name sound so familiar? <laughs> and, and as you get older, like my age, um, you tend to forget <laughs> who everybody is. Sometimes you forget who you are. Yes. Um, and then I just remember, holy shit, this is a Spawn guy. So, yeah, the, the art is going to be great because he's, he does some great covers and he does some great stuff um, for Spawn. Uh, what makes this particular uh, book unique, um, it's funny because I asked everybody in the store uh, when we got this book in, I said, do you know what primos mean? And I got everything from Prime to uh, whatever other nonsense you could think of. Um, <laughs> but it, it is actually Spanish for cousins. Um, everybody was like, oh, okay. So I, taught, so I felt good because I was teaching people something that day. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, so it's a Spanish title, and so you know Al Madrigal is is, is I believe Mexican himself, um, and Axel Alonso I think is half Mexican as well, and he's yeah, like the yeah. CEO for AWA. So we've seen uh, uh, a multitude of different racial superhero leads and stuff like that as far back as you know the golden age silver age kind of stuff i mean you look at black panther um and then more recently you see you know a, a spectrum of of more and it usually falls within that that black and white um you know when i saw the first chinese superman i was like holy shit we're, we're, we're getting more diverse um mm -hmm. into the comics it didn't last long but we got him there for uh, for quite a bit um, and then as, as a Latino, you know, as a Caribbean Latino, um, it, it's cool to see like a, a Jessica Cruz, uh, as a Jaime and, you know, and Beatle and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, it, it's, you, you get some of that, you understand some of what they're saying and what they're going through when they're going through a certain situation. So it's for, for me, it's just all about representation, right? Um, and in this particular book is that that's what we get. Now, the thing that the, I think the hard thing when you make books like this is you want it to be representative of the people, but at the same time, you don't want it to exclude all the readers, which mm -hmm. means you don't want it to be just so cultural that only people of that culture understand what's going on. And everybody else that picks up the book goes, oh, I have no idea what's going on. And then they just toss it off to the side. So what Al did here, which was really great, is that there's a little bit of the culture in it. Like you understand it, the, the, the Mayan aspect of it. Um, and then the words that are thrown in and then are, that are Spanish are thrown in with the English language. So as you're reading it, and it's funny because for me, as I'm growing up, because my dad and my mom were Puerto Rican, my dad did not speak English. My mom did. My dad spoke to me only in Spanish. I only responded to him in English. So he understood English. He just didn't speak it. I understood Spanish, but I didn't speak it a lot because it wasn't, it wasn't one of these things that was mandated in the house. Hmm. And besides, I was living in America, right? Hell's Kitchen. So, yeah, who's going to go outside and talk Spanish with me at that time? Hmm. So it, and, and so in that household, you would find yourself saying you know, speaking in English and then one word out of your sentence would be Spanish because that particular word was an item that you only learn in Spanish. So I didn't know, like the word sandal didn't exist to me until like I was like maybe 12 or 13. <laughs> I always called it a chancla. Right. So, so in, in, in here, he does sort of that same thing where, you know, you got the sentence in English and then there's just the one Spanish word. And I said, holy, like it literally brought me back to my childhood because that's <laughs> the way that we spoke. You call it Spanglish. You're just going yeah. back and forth from two different languages because you don't know what the English word is for something because you only learned it in Spanish. Uh, so I really appreciate. So somebody who's, you know, from that Latin culture, from, you know, not South American, but still Caribbean Latino, uh, appreciates those little things in there. And not all readers would get it, but at the same time, a reader that doesn't get it still will get it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, it makes sense so, so they're not going to be lost in the story off of yeah. that. So, so for Al to be able to do that, I really appreciated that in the writing. Um, the movie is uh, the movie. <laughs> um, the comic is actually really easy to read. Um, it's basically a superhero origin story where you have this one kid. His name is Ricky Pascal. Um, he's being visited by his uh, great, 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 great uh, uncle. Um, Janub. So basically the story is this. So you have these two brothers, 
um, in Mayan time who are going into this ship to ascend to their gods. And the gods are going to be aliens. So aliens have been visiting Earth. Um, this whole, you know, you know, the whole trope around freaking Aztec, you know, pyramids being, yep. you know, uh, ship stations or, or, or stations to take off with spaceships. So this, this goes with that trope. And then they end up going to space and they find that there's a whole bunch of other uh, Mayans from a whole bunch of other different planets that are being brought together. And these aliens are telling them about this secret threat that is eating planets and destroying planets. And they're being brought together so that when their planet, their civilization is enlightened, they can be invited into the community so they can become part of this thing that's kind of like uh, saving all the planets in, in, in the entire universe uh, stuff. Uh, it's pretty easy to follow. It's probably a lot better than I'm explaining, but I understood what they were trying to do. Um, mm -hmm. it, for me, sometimes what I have to do is I have to, as an adult, let go of things that don't make sense. Mm. So I'm not going to ask the relevant questions of why only in this time? Why haven't the aliens come back? Why the hell did the aliens choose the Mayan race? Kind of thing like that. And you have to, you know, suspend disbelief and just follow with the story. And if you can do that, then you have more fun with it. Yeah. As I get older, I have to remember that so that I don't lose a child in me. Because if you think about it, I mean, even if we look at, you know, go back to like major characters that people know, like Spider-Man, he got bit by a spider. If he can shoot webs out of his wrist, can he shoot them out of his ass as well? <laughs> you know, he's climbing a wall, but he's climbing it through his sneakers. How does he still stick? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Or how come he didn't die of leukemia two years after being bit by the spider? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so you have to suspend disbelief and just go into it all the way, and then you'll have even more fun. And when you can do that, you'll have fun. So, yeah, so you have this whole explanation of, um, of this boy who's being visited by his uncle, letting him know that he's the next shaman because his uncle's a shaman um, who's who needs to save this world. Now, basically, it's sort of like a Cain and Abel story. So there's a little bit of foreshadowing there. So the two brothers that went to go visit the alien race, um, they're coming back, but they're kind of at odds with one another in regards to what they need to do to get back. So the younger brother, whose name is Khan, um, is sort of like hot-headed. Uh, and it just like kind of jumps the gun and stuff like that. So as they're going back, they need to enter the coordinates to get back to the right time that they they they, they need to get back to. So the younger brother's like, yeah, but the ship, I got it. Don't worry about it. So they teleport back, and as they teleport back through the wormhole, they're in current time. So hmm. they're in current time, same place, but now the Aztec temple's full of all this green stuff. Everybody's gone. Everybody's dead. So the younger brother's hmm. like, whoever did this, I'm gonna kill them all. Blah blah. That leaves that. Shaman Janub is is recruiting his great 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 nephew to become the next shaman to stop his uncle, who he refers to as the Thanos of their timeline or whatever. Oh. Um, so now you have this family dispute. But Ricky also has a brother named Lorenzo, and there's sort of like this little foreshadowing of how they may butt heads as well with this whole new venture that they're um, gonna go on. So the book actually takes place initially with Ricky as sort of like his superhero character. He has like a staff that his uncle's given him and he has some wristbands that allow him to teleport as well. And then he has two other people with him, Gina and I forgot the other guy's name, but they're his primos. They're his cousins. Mm. Uh, so I'm assuming that's where the title's coming from. And those three are the ones that are going on these ventures to, I guess, save the world. Um, the only quarrel that I would have if I had anything to nitpick with this particular story is that it starts off where you are currently then it goes back in time to tell the story of how they got there 
but the book ends in a different part of the timeline. So hmm. it doesn't go back to the original place where they started. So that kind of threw me off. So I don't know where the book ended in regards to where it started. Mm-hmm. So that may pick up in the next issue. And it, it's a small nitpick, but it's like, all right, so where does this fit in the timeline? Because if they're already here in Barcelona fighting the same people that are at the end of the book hijacking his brother, where does it all fit into the story? Mm-hmm. That was the only thing that, you know, that, I, that if I had to nitpick about was just the way that it ended to pick up for the next issue. Uh, but it was beautifully drawn. Barbary's art is great. Uh, the writing is really easy to follow. Like I said, um, those little shout outs to, to the way that I grew up are fantastic, but it's, it's not so overwhelming that somebody who's not from that culture won't be able to follow. Um, the only thing that I would say is if there was like a translation. So if you get into a word that's, you know, not from your culture, that there would be like a little asterisk and probably like a little editor's note of what that word means. So sort mm-hmm. of like a glossary in terms. That's the only thing that I probably would have added as well. Uh, but I think at this point in 2022, most of us are so like multicultural when it comes to language that a lot of it, 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 it it's, it's easy to read. Um, that's just me nitpicking and making recommendations. But yeah, if, if I mean, it's a, it's a four issue miniseries. Um, I would encourage all my Latino brothers and sisters, and this is South American, so I, I mean, I'm far from Mexican because I'm Caribbean Latino, mm-hmm. and it's, it's completely different culture and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so even though we speak the same language, a lot of the, you know, some other words that we have may have different meanings in the different cultures. And then within South America, you have, you know, tons of people speaking Spanish, um, but the same thing, dialects, uh, different words mean different things. And then you go even further, you get into Brazil, now you're speaking Portuguese. Um, and it's funny because even in Portuguese, I could understand if they speak slow enough, some of the words translate over. Um, but when they start to speak into the, like their regular tone, which is like 90 miles an hour, yep, I can't understand shit <laughs> um, off of that. Uh, but really cool start. Uh, I'm definitely going to check it out. It's a four-issue miniseries that I think cool. I'm going to put in the time to actually read all four um, to see if there is a really good payoff at the end. I love superhero stories, so it's just really cool to see another um, – you know, South American, Latino, uh, superhero origin story. Uh, and we'll see what goes if, if it sticks. So Primos from, or Primos from AWA Upshot, issue one of four. Run to your stores. Don't walk. Run to your stores <laughs> right now and pick up a copy uh, if it is on your shelf. Um, all right. With that being said, that brings us to the end of another indie comic review. Remember to go out there and support your local comic book shops. You know, Phil and I are always at the Joker Shop in Fairland, New Jersey, pretty much every day of the week. So if you're ever <laughs> in the area, yeah, stop by, come say hi. Um, it's it's a really cool, you know, pop culture uh, store. Uh, I probably bigger than most actually Uh, yeah Um, yeah, so it's just a really exciting place a a non-chain mom and pop shop for comics yeah yeah Yeah, for sure for sure and if you can't get out here to the east coast make sure you get to your local comic shop and show them some support and love if you're liking what you're hearing please subscribe and come back every friday as we have new indie comic reviews um and then we'll have uh indie creators on as well so if you are an indie creator looking to promote your own project just visit amazingactioncomics.com slash podcast. The information is down below as well. 
fill out the form. We'd love to have you on. We love talking with creators in their process um, and promoting your stuff. Uh, we are still in the process of finalizing the Kickstarter for Project Shadowbreed, Project Shadowbreed issue number six. Um, so that's coming out soon. We got some more pages in. The art is fantastic. Um, yeah, Randy Myers is doing some great stuff. Uh, I think you guys are going to really like it um, in that respects. Uh, and Justin and I, you know, keep talking about that universe and how we want it to expand. So we've, we've got some great stuff um, lined up for the future, and we're really excited about that as well. Um, so, yeah, so make sure you visit AmazingActionComics.com to stay up to date on the latest news for Amazing Action Comics. And until next time, right, Phil? Right. Next time, next week, we'll be doing it again. That's it. So until then, be amazing, stay amazing, and read something amazing. <laughs>